When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me today uh, to dissect the defeat at Bournemouth is James and Sharp and Sharp. Uh, we were both down there on the south coast on Saturday to witness what was a pretty appalling defensive display from yeah. Leicester City. But um, I suppose, first of all, we have to say well, that's probably an apt mug to have out, isn't it? Keep calm. Yes, we are exactly. going to keep calm, but we yeah. are going to analyse where we think things went wrong for Leicester City and... Uh, Start with that. Uh, Claude Puel has said it's my fault. It was his responsibility, and I think we have to agree, don't we? Yeah, we do actually, because um, the main issue for Leicester's defeat was the defensive play. They looked okay going forward, um, created a few chances early doors. Uh, for Vardy had a few shots um, on target, Madison hit the bar. But the big issue was the fact that they were just so wide open. At the defence, and a lot of that was because, and we'll, we'll come on to it, is Leicester's fullbacks in Pereira and Chilwell were just basically playing as wingers, and Leicester basically just had a two-man defence of Wes Morgan and Harry Maguire, who aren't the most agile, aren't the, aren't the quickest of defenders, and Eddie Howe's Bournemouth just exploited it at every opportunity. Leicester would bomb forward on the attack, they'd get the ball, leave so much space out wide, and Ryan Fraser had. One of his one of his easiest days um, of his of his. We had the freedom of the park, didn't we? Yeah. Certainly down Leicester's right flank, flank he had uh, so much space to exploit. I mean, I, I saw him in the mix zone after the uh, game, and I was earwigging what he was saying to the uh, to the local journalist down there, and he was saying before the game they knew that Maguire and Morgan were two defenders that liked to get physical. They liked to get touch tight with uh, centre forwards, so they had Josh uh, King and Callum Wilson. They told them just to go go man for man on them, put pressure on those two because they knew that Leicester City were going to bob forward down the, the down the flanks with the full-backs. And it worked for them. It worked for them an absolute treat because they had a torrid afternoon, Maguire and Morgan, and we're going to get onto a little yeah. bit of why we think they had a torrid... Uh, you know, I mean, personally speaking, why they had a torrid time. But they had no cover as well, and I, I do feel a little bit for them because they're getting a lot of the stick for yeah. it. And uh, there was no cover. There was certainly no cover uh, at full-back. Uh, but it's also the midfield. There was there just seemed they were left two on two all the time, and sometimes three on two when Fraser exploited that space that Pereira would uh, would vacate with abandon as every time he wanted to go forwards. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's where the frustration probably is because we've seen it on occasion. You'd, you'd want you don't, you don't mind your 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 fullbacks bombing on. I mean, last season the, the whole problem with that right back position was that Danny Simpson was defensively astute. And solid as you can get, but in Pro's system where a lot of the whip comes from those fullbacks, it wasn't good enough on the ball. So Pereira came in because he's great on the ball, and now the problem is he's struggling to defend, and that's where Leicester's issue is. Now and it isn't just on Pereira; it isn't just yeah, no at Bournemouth that we've seen this, and you picked it out from the yeah, one of your five saw, things. Yeah, I think Pereira's problem is that he needs to realise he is new in the Premier League. He needs to realise that the Premier League is a very Intense and physical league. We saw against Liverpool when Robertson just barged past him. He just knocked him over because he was stronger and more physical, and that led to their goal. Here, 
phrases got past him every single time. There was no real positional sense. His no. positional sense would he looked like a winger being converted into a defender, which is exactly what he is. Exactly. And it was pure that converted him from winger. Yeah, and, and I mean you don't mind Pereira bombing forward because that's what he's good at him. He got two assists in the first two games and everyone was praising how great he was going forward. But if he does do that and you want him to do that, either well Puel needs to instruct the players around him to cover for him. We saw when he played with Albrighton, him and Albrighton rotated. So whenever Pereira went forward, Albrighton would drop back. And that worked really well because he had the cover there. Or, as you point out, you'd, uh, Papi Mendy or, or Ndidi should drop in. Bora is good at that. Yeah. When the fullback goes forward, Bora will sit in from his central midfield role, will just come across and cover that space. Um, and somebody needs to do that, need more cover. If, especially away from home. I mean, we're looking at some of the, the stats from uh, from February of this year onwards, and they conceded five at Man City. Okay, that's Man City champions. Five at Crystal Palace. Five on the final day at, uh, at Tottenham, and now four at Bournemouth. You know, there's a trend here. There's yeah. a trend defensively. This system, this attacking system that Puel um, likes, and it's great to watch. There's some lovely football, Madison. You could admire yeah. Madison's link-up play with Vardy. Fantastic. But if they're leaving themselves that vulnerable. At the back, away from home, they're going to get picked yeah, up. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I wrote about it, but tug in cheek and saying it's almost as though Prowl's heard all that criticism about. I know they conceded five goals a lot last season, but it's almost as though he's heard all the criticism about him playing boring football and gone, oh, do you know what? Forget the defence, we're just going to go bomb forward with attack. This is entertaining. Like, are you, are you not entertained by this reckless abandon? He needs to seal his own phrase, he needs to find a good balance between that attack and defence, because at the minute, They've gone from one to the other, and there's just he needs to to nail down a way in which they can be attacking yet also have that defensive stability. Because at the minute, if they don't have that, they're going to come unstuck more times than not. It's a platform away from home. You have a defensive solidity, so therefore you can grow into the game, frustrate the home side, and eventually you'll start to uh, profit from your attacking players, getting more confident, getting more space. Uh, but just we talked about um, slow starts this season. When you're giving sides the first goal mm. because defensively you're not set up properly, then it's always an uphill struggle. Uh, and, and this thing about the modern game, I can see why fullbacks have changed in the modern game because we, now we don't have traditional wingers that just stay on the touch line, get the ball, take the fullback on, whip the ball in for the centre forward. That, those days are gone. Now it's uh, wide men, and quite often it's the modern trend to have a, a you know, right footer on the left and a yeah. left footer on the right. And they always vacate the, the wing. They always come inside, like Mares yeah. would do. Look at Hazard. All those sort of players now, they, they're very fluid in the way they move. So they vacate that wide space. So then it's up to the fullbacks to take that space. So the, the fullbacks then do what the traditional yeah. wingers used to do. I understand that, but he's got to get that balance. Yeah, right. He's got to have that insurance policy at the Because back. I know, we noticed that when, when Pereira had played on the wing early on in the season, we'd noticed by saying, just look how central he is. He almost moves into a... Cent, into a into the right channel in the old kind of football terms, that they both play as very central wingers. They're almost not wingers. And so you need the fullbacks to attack, which is why Danny Simpson in that system struggled. But as you say, if you are going to adopt that system and you do need your fullbacks to give yourself width, you need to be tactically astute enough or give your players the instructions to know that when that does happen, they know how to fill in and, and cover it, doesn't it? They're not. Well, he said he's going to find the solution. They're going to work on it in the training ground. They're going to find a solution. 
Is the solution, though, a change of personnel? We know we've already got to have a per change of personnel for the home game against Huddersfield. Um, Wes Morgan's suspending now after his two yellow cards. But I felt a bit sorry for him. I thought the first one was the harshest. The first uh, yellow card for the little grapple with Wilson. And, and I don't think he was helped as well by some of the conduct, some of the Bournemouth players. I mean, I, I take nothing away from him. It sounds like sour grapes, but yeah, I thought the reaction to Maguire's second challenge when everybody was off the bench trying yeah. to put pressure on the referee. And then uh, I thought um, uh, Smith, uh, the way he reacted to um, Morgan's uh, challenge for the second yellow was a bit out of order as well. He played that one up to the ninth degree, should be on the stage. But that apart, I thought Wes was a little bit unlucky, but... Uh, Maguire probably deserved to go more than Morgan. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched it back. I was back on match today last um, Saturday night, um, and I still, I'm still of the opinion that I think Maguire should have gone, and that Wes shouldn't. I mean, I, a lot of people think that Maguire shouldn't because it was only a bit of a late challenge, but it was, in my opinion, he was, he was, he knew what he was doing, and he was late, and he stopped a counter attack because there was loads of space again down the left hand side. King was about to bomb forward into that space and make a little one-two. And Maguire wiped him out. I think if Maguire is not on a yellow, he gets booked for that. Mm. Um, so I can see why Bournemouth were frustrated, even if they didn't conduct themselves greatly. But then I do feel that Wes was Wes was unfortunate because King was giving as much as he got for the first yellow, and then the second one I just thought was a strong challenge. Um, so I do feel for Wes, um, and I also feel for Wes for the reaction that he gets from some of the supporters. And when we've spoken about it already, mm. in the some fans, and I know you may say that he's at the end of his career and he's in the twilight of that and perhaps shouldn't be playing as much as he had. He does, although I thought he's been all right so far this season. Um, almost celebrating in the fact that he got sent. I mean, we both got tweets from people saying oh, it's the best news that, to know that he's suspended for the next game. I feel that's as unfair as the, as the, as the red card was. Yeah, but, yeah, I think some fans are a bit uh, quick to forget what certain players have achieved for the football club. Over the years, but uh, that aside, he's uh, he's out the team. We're yeah. gonna we'll get to Maguire in a minute, but he's out the team. Morgan is so um, somebody's got to come in for him. Yeah. Soon Su played uh, in the under twenty threes, and yes. according to our colleague Jordan Blackwell, was, he was game. at the game. Yeah. He uh, it wasn't a, the greatest performance. Um, do you throw him in, or do you go with Johnny Evans? It looks like Evans, wasn't it? Probably, yeah. And I think a lot of fans are looking forward to seeing Soon Su play. I mean, he played twice for Turkey in the international break, so you would argue he's ready to play. Um, obviously, the the report from the 23s game wasn't great. You'd think it's probably Evans to come back in, um, although, again, he didn't have the greatest of games against Wolves, and I think how rusty he looked is probably why Wes has played so much this season, because Wes has been slightly better than Evans. So that's the option is either it's a straight swap with either Evans and Soyuncu, or... You bring them both in and you change systems and you play three at the back. And I know it's something that we've talked about all through the summer, all through this season so far, is if you're going to have your winger, your wing backs playing that attacking in Pereira and Chilwell, it looked a bomb forward. A way of getting extra cover is to play three at the back. He's not done it at all. He did it once when against Wolves to counteract their, their width, which worked. And you could argue that Bournemouth were doing the same thing. It's whether he does that and whether he can show himself to be flexible enough to, to go away from the 4-2-3-1 completely. Oh, but I think, I mean, again, talking about personnel, his two best defensive fullbacks are Danny Simpson and Christian Fuchs, defensively. Yeah. These lads that he's picking, Chilwell, fantastic going forward, 
Pereira, we said winger. They are wing backs. If they if they're going to utilise their strengths, then I think he has to change the system now. I, I don't think he can continue. Certainly away from home. At home, perhaps he can get away with it more because City are on the front foot a bit more. But uh, away from home, certainly there has to be a change of personnel. The only concern is, and he said it himself, um, you asked him about it as well, Harry Maguire's fitness at the moment. He's yeah. played a lot of football over the, the, the last season, played every minute of every game yeah, I mean, in, the, in the league, then the World Cup, then straight back into it this yeah. season, and he looked jaded. Yeah, I mean, I wrote about, wrote about this in the paper today and also tweeted about it over the weekend, and some fans are saying, well, this is, you're just making excuses for him, he's not the only one that's been in the World Cup, but you look at what he's, every minute of every game last season, he's saying, he played every game at the World Cup, he was rushed back, had no pre-season whatsoever, had about four days training, and then was chucked in at Old Trafford. He's played every minute of the Premier League since. And he played both games in the international break, both 90 minutes, and then plays again at Bournemouth. It's not, they're not excuses, they are facts. They, he has played all those games, and it's not about, well, they're all performing poorly. This is comparing Maguire's performance at Bournemouth to the exceptional performances he's put in previously, and looking at the reasons why that might have happened. And to have played that much football, I think is one of the is the is one of the reasons why he looked so leggy at Bournemouth. But as you've written it out this morning, can can Pearl afford to rest him? Morgan's suspended. Soyuncu look, has looked looked shaky in the twenty threes. Evans hasn't looked amazing. Yet. Unconvincing so yeah. far. Can you afford? It's too important. You can't drop him. You, you too, can't rest him. It's not dropping. Dropping is the wrong word. Resting. You can't afford to do if that. If you look at a lot of the lads that were in the World Cup with England and played all the way through to the uh, to the last weekend, all of them seem to be struggling a little bit. But a lot of them can be given a rest. Like John Stones not playing every game for Man City. And Harry Kane looks jaded. Deli Ali's injured. They, they all seem to be paying a price for that summer. Even ha- well, people keep saying, "Well, look at Hazard scored a hat trick the weekend." Yeah, but Hazard was given a bit of extra time off. He didn't play the first couple of games or play very few minutes. Maguire's played everything, mm. and so and there's no, there's no, um, uh, you, you, you're given no time off there, are you? If, you, if you're the centre back, you've got to be on your game all the time. Otherwise, in the Premier League, you switch off for one minute. You want. And I know there's going to be people screaming now at the the. the Computer watching this saying, oh, "I wish I could get paid hundred thousand pounds a week, and I w- I wouldn't be tired." And you know, tried getting up at six o'clock and going to work where I work and things like that. It's different. That's true. That all of that is true, and it and footballers do have a, a very privileged life, but they have a, it is different because they're expected to perform. They're performing at the highest level, and also in usual mainstream jobs, you don't have eleven players trying to make you do your job badly. Mm. Which is what Maguire have, which all footballers have. They've got they're they're playing against people, so if they're not at their highest performance, and we are talking fraction of marginal gains, then that gets exploited and that gets shown at the top level. So tiredness is is probably the wrong word. It's being not in the physical condition to be able to perform at your peak mm. when it's required. Well, you talk about the fine margins and the, and the the milliseconds that. That can make a difference in a game. Maguire, those two challenges. You know, if he was sharp, he would have made those challenges. We got to the ball before. Yeah. Because uh, he was a millisecond out, he hits the player and he gets the yellow card and then escapes the second yellow card. So there's those fine margins, and they need to be. He needs to be fresh, but I don't think they can afford to give him. Uh, and unless the, we've got another international break coming up, unless 
he has a hamstring, you know, <laughs> hamstring, and he's yeah. out of the England squad uh, and has a little break there. But then again, he's important now to England as well. Yeah, I, I agree. And Leicester do need to find some way of, of getting him. And Poyle mentioned this at the start of the season, and he's basically paying the price for his own wisdom. Really. I remember it was the press conference before the Man U game, and he was asked about, well, are you going to rush Maguire back? Are you going to rush Vardy back? And he's, and, he, and he's trying to say, well, we'll have to wait and see. But those World Cup players that are rushed back, he said, they will, Paul said, that they are likely to feel the effects of that later on in the season, when the season catches up with them. It just seems though for Maguire, it's caught up a little bit earlier than that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's move on to um, another little bit of news, talking about players that have formed admirably yeah. for the club over the years and been great servants. Andy King... Um, mm. Puel confirmed in the pre-match uh, press conference that uh, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes Andy King can't be with the first team squad training. He has to go and train with the under-23s. That's another real blow for, for King, isn't it? I, I, mean, I, I couldn't understand the reasons when he says, look, when we'll be doing 11 v 11 on the training ground, we're preparing for a game. Sometimes some of the players have to go and train with the under-23s, but that must be hard for him to take. Yeah, it's... And we spoke about it in the last podcast, didn't we? We said it's... It's a sad but it was sad but inevitable that he wasn't in the twenty five man squad and for all of the stuff that King's done for the club, here from the bottom all the way to the top, true professional, true gentle all the way through, giving up his number ten shirt as well over the summer, and now training with the twenty threes. It it is sad and it, it it is a shame that such an influential part of Leicester City's history the end of his career at the club is ending like this um, which is why I think it's the which I think the saddest part of it is that he didn't get a club over the summer or wasn't able to go out on loan for whatever reason whether it be opportunities or or financial reasons because he signed quite a big contract two years ago whether that played a part in it it just needs it, you just love to see him play football wouldn't you yeah. it, is, it is a bit sad um, and it's just hope you hope that come January that Leicester can find a way to both pay the proper tribute to King A but also allow him to be able to get the ball. Here, here. Uh, let's look ahead to Huddersfield. Yep. We've talked about changes defensively, changes in shape. One thing we haven't spoke about is changes in the attack. Gazelle and Gray. Very poor games, I thought, at Bournemouth. Both of them were ineffectual. Can we agree that Mark Albright has to start? Yeah, and could, I mean, you said to, to move on to the attack, but again, it's linking it back to the defence. If Puel is going to stick with a four-two-three-one formation, if he's going to stick with Pereira and Chilwell, if he's going to keep telling them to do what they want to do and bomb forward, then Mark Albrighton, yes, he has to play. Because he not only has he got fantastic end product, end product at the top end of the pitch, but he is also experienced enough, astute enough, selfless enough to when he sees Pereira bomb past him to go, do you know what? I should probably drop in here. I think Albright has to play and has to start if Paul's going to stick with things how they are. I think he pays the price sometimes for not having those moments of flair he has, that Gray might have or Diabati might have. From the James, he struggles from the James Milner kind of thing, yeah. doesn't he? He's so... Reliable. He's not someone that's going to have you. He's going to do it. He's going to give you a ten out of ten performance and light up a game. He's not going to. He's not going to win you a game with 
a piece of like Mara's like brilliance. But what he will do you give you is seven is at least seven out of ten most weeks. Do his job, do it well, put good balls into the box. Doesn't he's not flash, he's not brash, he's not in your face. Does his job, can play anywhere. Played at right back, played at right wing, played at centre centre midfield, played anywhere, played at wing back. He, he does all that. Doesn't make a fuss. Gets on with his game. And I think that, that means he slips under the radar a little bit. And I'll tell you who would like to see him in the side as well, uh, and probably appreciate him, Jamie Vardy. Because as soon as you, you, the ball goes out to All Brighton, he will know when to time his run. He will know when to go across the defender so he can get into that space or drop off the back of the defender. Because he knows the ball's going to come in the box. He knows that he's going to shift it out of his feet and clip it in early doors. You know, see, that must don't underestimate how much that means to strikers. I can remember years ago, there was, uh, was it, remember Yasser Goncry, he was mm. at Chelsea. And I remember reading uh, an interview with um, one of the, I think it might have been Hernan Crespo, and he was saying, oh, I don't know when to make me run, to time me run, because you get the ball and you think it's going to come in now. So you go, and then he does, and he checks back again, he has to go again, and it's he coming out again, and then you're going back in again, and it's having yeah. that ability to be able to get the ball in early doors, the strikers will love that. And especially when Leicester have got a relatively new look team in the likes of Gazelle and also Madison, who, to be fair to them, did play two balls through to Vardy, which he, which he got on the end of, which was good. But when you've got two new players in, it, is gonna, it takes you a while to build that understanding, like Drinkwater and Vardy had, where as soon as Drinkwater got the ball, Vardy turned and went because he knew that the ball was about to land. And Drinkwater didn't even look. Yeah, neither, neither, neither of them looked, because mm. they both knew where they were going to be. But that is what you develop over... Hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on the training pitch, and hours and hours and hours on the football pitch. So, the likes of Madison and Gazelle and Vardy don't have that yet, whereas Albrighton probably does. So, if you've got some inexperienced players in that team with Vardy, stick Albright in there as well, because at least he knows when Albright gets the ball, as you say, he knows where to go, and they they do have that understanding. Well, we're expecting a uh, response from City against Huddersfield on Saturday. They will start as a massive favourites to win that game as well. Um, we'll have all the reaction uh, and we'll be continuing to dissect the defeat at Bournemouth on Leicestershire Live and in the Mercury. And uh, then we'll have uh, all the build-up to uh, Huddersfield. So join us on Dilly Ding Dilly Dong next time.